Welcome to episode two of the Mainline and Beyond with Mark Singer. Tonight's guest is Jack Shouty of the band Darlington. We chat about music, some common interests, some upcoming shows, and even have an on-air performance of two songs toward the end. We hope you enjoy. Daydream Creative Studio in Ardmore, 35 East Lancaster Avenue. A couple doors down from the Ardmore Music Hall. Tonight's guest is Jack Shouty from the band Darlington, and pretty much that is what we're got, we've got to work with. I'm going to start out the show. Um, last week, you know, it's the first episode, uh, and uh, getting used to things and getting things rolling, and uh, I don't really take very much time to talk about me or uh, what I'm doing here exactly, other than promoting the local music scene, um, which is something that I'm passionate about and excited about. Um, and uh, as part of that, you know, I'm like, I've never really done this before. I'm thinking to myself, well, you know, I grew up watching a lot of talk shows. My mom was into talk shows. You know, my, my dad was out working a lot, so if he caught one, it was pretty late at night. But, you know, I always saw my mom watching uh, everything from uh, Johnny Carson and then on to uh, uh, Conan O'Brien and... Uh, not so much into Letterman or anything like that, but uh, I was like, well, you know, I could have some fun with this and do the little opening monologue part, you know, and, uh, and then bring on some musicians and have some live music. So, you know, that's kind of the concept here. Uh, oh, man, one guy we saw, we used to watch, it was like the beginning of Trash TV, I guess you could say that Trash kind of inter interview shows, this guy, Morton Downey Jr. Oh, boy, I don't know if anyone out there knows who that guy was, but... Uh, Oh man, that was some entertaining TV back in the day. Uh, a guy would have the most uh, combative guests on the same panel as, as possible, and then all hell would break loose. So, uh, some things going on. It's basically, uh, you know, it's an exciting week for music for me and uh, Steal Your Peach. We have a sold out show at the Newtown Theater on Saturday up in Bucks County. Uh, beautiful old theater that, you know, was renovated and. Uh, it's just a great sound, great vibe in there. And uh, also, Friday night, for the first time, I'll uh, be debuting this new blues band, Mark Singer Family Blues Band, out at uh, Cigar Republic in Conchahokan. So I'm excited about that. And uh, anyone that's watching should definitely, it would be great to see some familiar faces. Um, the venue, which is not, it's a music, it's, it's a cigar venue that has live music pretty frequently. My friend Mikey Jr.'s playing there. Um, they get a good mix of jazz and, and, and different types of music, and it's owned by a musician, uh, Paul Crassen, who uh, is a very good keyboard player who's played with some of the best in the city. So um, I'm really excited to have the opportunity to do that and play there and get back to my roots um, playing blues music. Because really, as a guitar player, you know, and like I said, I wanted to take the beginning of this show to talk about me a little bit um, in terms of, you know, people watching, like, what the heck is this guy? doing up here, you know, people that do know me know me, but maybe some people tuning in don't. And, um, you know, I, I'm from Ardmore, right here, um, and, um, you know, digging into different musics growing up, you know, listening to what friends were listening to from 90s grunge, Nirvana, Red Hot Chili Peppers, had a little phase in the hip-hop, things like that. Had older brothers listening to Led Zeppelin and The Who and The Rolling Stones. Um, eventually, you know, uh, had some different experiences, one main one being losing my dad at an early age, 
kind of had a profound effect and made me want to dig deeper and find out what, where is this music coming from, you know? Some of my favorite the Allman Brothers, a big one. My friend PJ Conway introduced me to a very long time ago. I, I, I thought, you know, they were, I didn't realize, you know, the jazz influence and really, you know, how powerful the band they were. So when that happened, it kind of wanted me to trace, uh, it, it inspired me to trace the roots of the, my, my favorite music. Um, back and, and it all led me back to the blues. Um, so when I was first playing at 17, 18 years old, because I didn't start super young, um, I felt like I had to make up for lost time. And um, I got, I, I dug into the blues. Guys like the, you know, BB King, Albert King, Freddie King, um, in terms of electric players. And, uh, and what happened was when I first went out in the public to play, it, you know, it led me to a club called Warm Daddies which was down in Old City, originally down at Front Market. And they had a weekly blues jam there, hosted by, it would alternate months, either Georgie Bonds or Randy Lippincott. And both guys were kind of like mentors and people to look up to, especially George, uh, who has taken the stage with my band uh, at the World Cafe. In my opinion, the best blues singer Philadelphia's ever seen before. Um, just a positive spirit, always just encouraging to come on back and. You're doing great, and you know I never forgot that. Um, and um, through that circle of people that I met down there, Warm Daddies at that time, I met lots of different people, and um, most of them that worked for a living but still were passionate about music for their whole life. One person in particular, this guy Steve Grossman, who was somebody who made a very deep impression on me because he not only played the blues. He, he, he got into some of you know, the earliest, deepest blues that I wasn't even really aware of at that time. And uh, I got together with him and he showed, showed me these vintage Martins that he had and he started playing some Mississippi John Hurt style and Reverend Gary Davis in front of me and it just blew my mind. And I was like, he's like, here, you wanna try? And I'm like, okay. You know, and I like strum a G chord. I really didn't even know what to do and it was like really frustrating because I was watching his hands and just like how he would pick the bass line and the melody at the same time and it's like just completely blown away by that so it made me really dig deeper into getting into the early 20th century blues that came from all over the south from Mississippi to Texas guys like Lead Belly and Skip James who ironically is buried in Ballot Kenwood of all places uh, <laughs> Uh, he had a girlfriend up in the Philadelphia area, and he ended up there, and I visited his grave, and Skip's one of my favorites because his voice is so different and haunting, and uh, if you ever have a chance to listen, because uh, there's no replicating those guys, you know, because to me, they were the true pioneers in the sense that they didn't really have any ability to listen to other people to borrow. I mean, they heard the radio, and they heard things, but a lot of them really did pioneer their own unique sound on the instrument, man. like, you know, nothing but their hands and an acoustic guitar. So enough about that, I learned how to play that style from a guy in Philadelphia named Ted Esterson, and he taught me quite a bit. He was uh, somebody who took lessons with the Reverend Gary Davis, and amongst others, and knew these guys. And I hope Ted as well, because I haven't talked to him in a while, a lot of people around Philadelphia know about him. He's, he plays in the Wild Bohemians, which does a yearly Mardi Gras, um, you know, show every year on South Street, the second line, the whole the whole nine. 
So, um, so that, that's, uh, that's why it's cool for Friday night, getting back to playing some blues music. I love playing slide guitar. I love connecting with that on an emotional level. Because um, I, I do feel like it's music that can really speak to anyone. And it's, it's music that has gotten infused into all the music that came after it, to be honest. Um, and uh, that's kind of where I've, you know, had my approach to music. And I had an original band called Old Soul, Old Soul Revival, and we played lots of shows at the Blockley, um, and then on to the Ardmore Music Hall and different uh, venues, playing some original music. And actually, is a goal for 2023 for me to get an original album out. <clears throat> so that's something I'm really excited about and looking forward to. That being said, music has always been a therapeutic thing for me. I, I view it as an ancient healing art for anyone. And um, on the surface, on the other side, you know, in the last couple years, um, something else that I started to do is sell real estate. The reason for this is I feel like it's an important thing, obviously, not only to obtain a shelter over your head, but um, you know, to establish some financial security for people that are able to, to buy homes. And uh, I have lots of friends out there that have lots of questions, and I just want them to know that, you know, to feel free to reach out about anything, um, whether it's buying or selling. I don't want to use this time to take up a whole lot of time with this, but I do have ideas, different things to offer folks that have that anxiety, because there's a lot of anxiety because it's a big deal. I've, had, I've already helped friends of mine buy homes that were first-time home buyers, and uh, it really hit home. It was a special experience. I had to go through a lot of hurdles, and um, you know, when people have ups and downs in life to actually secure a home, and then you come to settlement after all the different things that you have to get done, uh, you know, you give each other a hug, and it's like, wow, we did this, you know? And uh, there are a lot of people out there that I know have their questions and concerns, a lot of them think that you know all realtors just go out and make millions of dollars or go into these lavish homes. It's not true. And uh, whether it's a two hundred thousand dollar house or a two million dollar house, um, I, I'm, I will give you the best service that you could possibly ask for in terms of uh, you know taking it seriously and, and quite frankly being honored that you instill trust in me to help you through that process. So that's what the hat is about. Uh, Steven Singer is nobody that I know. <laughs> However, uh, you know, this little idea was something I came up with to catch people's eye, and it has. Um, the, you know, the idea is basically that, uh, you know, if you go to it and you're like, what the heck is this all about? It's going to take you to my real estate page. But it's a helpful page. It has live active listings, all different places. You can just click on it. It also has a mortgage calculator. Um, people have concerns about contracts. There's nothing that can't be handled. If you don't want to work with me, I won't make you sign a contract. And uh, in, in terms of anything on contracts, anything can be changed. The only thing that can't be changed is that I get paid when I sell your house. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a lot of flexibility there. Those are, you know, some borrowed words from a mentor. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's, it's very true. And, uh, you know, if you think that it can't be done, it can be done. And what I have learned uh, at 44, I got to tell you, there's a young generation now that's just savvy, and and they're they're buying up real estate, and by doing that, they're securing their financial future better than any other way, better than a 401k, better than crypto, better than anything. So I do firmly believe that you know, in order to get ahead, which is something that's getting harder and harder, 
That's a very smart way to do it. So, you'll see some guests here from time to time talking about that. Today, this that's what I'm talking about. I'm working with some different buyers. I'm from out here uh, in Ardmore. I work on the main line. I work in Philadelphia. The show's called Main Line and Beyond just because I am located out here, but this is about the Philadelphia area. It's not about the main line. I lived in Delaware County. Um, I've, I've lived other places. So um, what I saw was this fun opportunity to help give a voice to a scene that I'm passionate about that, to be honest, I've been a little disconnected from the last few years. Um, for good reason, being a family man and raising a, a, a child and now a second child <laughs> has made it a little difficult. But, um, you know, uh, this scene is unbelievable. And, and what I mean by that is I can say that for a fact because in Steal Your Peach and Old Soul, we traveled to Brooklyn, to D.C., to Baltimore. And, and don't get me wrong, all these places have cool scenes and, and wonderful people. But there is a real vibrant music scene here in Philadelphia from original music to tribute music and, and uh, a lot of collaboration going on and it, it is really humbling to have the opportunity to sit here and do this show for you guys so um, so yeah I mean I, I pretty much uh, handle it as much as I want to say about me for tonight uh, you know where to find me in terms of music Friday at the Cigar Republic where Saturday the Newtown Theater is sold out I heard some people were trying to get refunds because of the Eagles game, um, maybe even somebody in the band, but uh, <laughs> that's not happening. Uh, <laughs> uh, and the venue doesn't give refunds. Well, <laughs> so uh, that'll be fun. Um, if you have a ticket, come say hi. Hope you come to Cigar Republic. Um, and that's that for, for me in the beginning of this show. That said, Without further ado, I'm very excited to bring on my, my guest tonight, Jack Shouty of, of Darlington. My man, thank you so much for having me out here. Yes. What's going on, Jack? <sighs> Busy weekend. We, uh, Darlington played at Hotel Threestable out in Williamsport uh, on Saturday, but... So, we had to leave here, 9 a.m., swing by with the band to my great aunt's memorial service in Lidditz along the way. Uh, you know, big ups to everyone in the band for like being down to make that one, the early trip. You know, you, how, you know how hard it is to get a musician on the road at 9 a.m. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, we went by there had uh you know i was singing for that um she was like 102 years old she my great aunt aunt jane bless her heart you know she had a good run mm -hmm. went out williamsport played hotel threestable uh, that was a fun time came back then i had a 9 a.m load in sunday playing with miss cantaloupe doing that oh. uh, rock and roll playhouse gig plans nice. Breathe Franklin and Motown. So, yeah. Kids like, love that, huh? Yeah, it was great. The the uh, head of Live Nation for all of the East Coast was having his kid's birthday party there. Oh. Yeah, so the production manager at Brooklyn Bowl was like, oh yeah, you know, 
just the, like this big wig from Live Nation is going to be there. I'm like, cool, man. Why would you tell me that right before I go up? <laughs> you can just wait to tell me that. <laughs> you don't have to tell me that the kid's birthday party is like all of Live Nation, the kid of, you know, the head of Live Nation for the East Coast. Right. Uh, but no, that, that went well. I'm Those sure. are great tunes. Uh-huh. Those are great tunes. And it's fun to sit down with songs that are written in a way that isn't usually how I approach them. You know, those are such orchestrated songs. You know, take a tune like I Want You Back by the Jackson 5. You know, you can almost compare that to like a Bach chorale where every note is a different chord hit. You know, you're not just sitting on one thing the whole time. And that was a good, that was a fun gig to yeah, I learned a lot from it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I love Motown. That's the music that I heard as long as I can remember. Yeah, around the house, my mom was always playing Smokey Robinson or you know all kinds of that yeah. type of music. It's so uplifting. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so and and um, what's uh, the girl who sings for uh, Miss Cantaloupe? Christina Christina Klaproff. Yeah, she, she was a lead vocalist. Yeah. On Whole show, yeah, with the exception, uh, Mike Parisi, who plays bass for um, Miss Cantaloupe, did lead vocals for Lean On Me and Isn't She Lovely? Nice, yeah, not easy songs to sing. No, no, and we took, uh, you know, we took uh, Isn't She Lovely down, uh, like, uh, we took it down a tritone, like. It was, it was, he was like, man, this is too high. So, yeah, so we did it in, I don't know, usually it's in what? I don't know, C, and we, no. Usually it's in E, and we did it in B flat. That's cool, you made it work though. Yeah, it was the only way to do it. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, what are you gonna ask someone to sing like Stevie Wonder? Right. Come on now. <laughs> Seriously, man, I've seen him twice and it was like otherworldly, you know, just not only his music, but he talks in between, he makes jokes and it's like, you know, he just blows the crowd. Yeah. Wide. Everyone just sits back and his, and his voice is as good as it ever do you, was. Do you remember <laughs> Coda in Center City on Walnut Street? I never got there, but I know you're talking so, about I mean, that was probably like a 500, maybe 800 person venue. Mm-hmm. I saw Stevie Wonder. He played there in the lead up to I think the 2016 election. Mm-hmm. So I think it was like it was like a Hillary Clinton event or something. But like, if you RSVP'd and got there hella early, he did a show. So like, I mean, how much is a front row ticket for Stevie Wonder? And he's playing at the Wells Fargo probably. Mm-hmm. You know, he's playing arenas. So to like see him probably like a dozen people back standing room only in like a 500 cap venue mm-hmm. like i can't imagine like what they can't put a price on that i that remember was crazy that. yeah crazy so you know he has this connection to this area with like uh, michael Sambello mm-hmm. who played with, and it was he was from ardmore Really? Yeah. That I did not know. I didn't know that he was, that he was from Yeah, Ardmore. he was from Ardmore, right on the Haverford Township side. If you head down Wynwood Road, 
before you hit um, Haverford Road and off to the left in that neighborhood. And uh, I didn't know, but I remember playing basketball at South Armour Park with his brother John because he was like a staple. Yeah. You know, it was like these everyday runs and John was always there. And my brother wrote Maniac. <laughs> yeah. Flashdance because he did. And, uh, and then I, I got to know Danny, mm -hmm. you know, who was from Ardmore and was the sweetest guy, man. He, he passed away. And, but he always just had such uh, kind words for me, and yeah. you know, it was just a, a wonderful guy that I miss. Um, so that, yeah, that's the, um, you know, apparently he was holding auditions and Michael got the call at like 17, you know. <laughs> that's cool, man. Yeah. When you get that call at that young age. Yeah. I like to have, I mean, obviously to have the chops to back it up too. Yeah. You know. He probably didn't have much of a social, I, I don't know. Probably not, man. I wasn't. Nobody was giving me the call at seventeen because I wouldn't take I wouldn't take nothing seriously. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's pretty serious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, how did we meet? I don't remember exactly. Was it so, here at the Armour Music? Yeah, the first time that we had met was the first time that Darlington had played the the Ardmore. Right. Um, it was you guys headlining uh, that cat Andy Mowat. Yeah, it was his band at the time, um, and then us, um, and yeah, that was great getting that call because me and Emily, we were on just like a like a little duo. Not I wouldn't call it tour. It was more of like a road trip with some gigs that we were playing. But like you know, we were down Asheville and we made it all the way down to New Orleans, um, and our bass player at the time, um, who I was good friends with we had like a falling out and he just kind of like you know he, he had kind of quit on us like the day before and we're like fuck man like like it, yeah it's hard you know you know how that goes and then we get the call and also he uh, i i'm gonna get i don't gotta get into it <laughs> right. but like you know we were feeling kind of salty about it yeah yeah and uh it's morale the band. Yeah. yeah and but then like you know the next day we get the call like hey you guys want to open you know at the Ardmore, and that was you know the biggest room that we had played at the time. And we're like, hell yeah, we want to do this. Gave a call to uh, this bass player Eric Kramer that we had just met. He had just moved to Philly. Um, we just saw him play a show at Country Necktie with his band, and we're like, this guy is fucking great. Uh. Um, you know, got his number. And I was like, hey man, you know, I talked about, you know, we had talked about jamming sometime. Uh, I need a bass player for this gig at the Ardmore Music Hall. Uh, you you want to do it? Right. Yeah. So we're like, we're like, all right, man, we don't need this guy. Like, you know, as soon as he left, we started getting way bigger gigs. Like, not because of that, but we're like, all right, man, whatever. Like, it's us. You know, the band is me and Emily. Like, we can, we can do this. Right. You know, that was, that was. No, you, now you have uh, Ye Ye Yeho. Yeah, Yeho. Yeah. We got Yeho on bass right now. Um, you know, he's you know he's going through some um, health troubles and stuff. Um, so we've had actually you know the past couple gigs, Eric Kramer uh, back on. Oh, okay. So like he was with us for uh, the Hotel Festival we just did. Kramer's going to be with us on January nineteenth at Johnny Brenda's. Um, That's in three days from now. Yeah. Yeah, this Thursday. Uh, yeah, he's going to be with us on that one. Um, 
he's he's a great player. I love Yeho too, and you know, we all want him to get better. Yeho's been ride or die with us since he uh, since he joined up with us. Yeah. So. Yeah, I, I remember him all the way back to the block league. Yeah, yeah, you know him all the way back then, back when he was working the door. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I was in a, the Philly Brothers reunion back then, which was uh, the house band. We kind of okay. hosted, we hosted the jam session. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's crazy. I went there to sit in and just play, and you know, hey, you know me, all my brothers do. <laughs> do I? Yeah, right. And they had the Hammond, and they had all the parts, and one of you know some of the best musicians like James Cooper on bass, one of the best basses in the city. Yeah. Um, so that was that was pretty fun. Um, so you mentioned that gig coming up at Johnny Brenda's. Yeah, yeah, that one we're excited for. We got a. I've been trying to get in that room for a little bit just as support. Um, they're like you know they kind of like they like the people they like. You kind of got to break into the. Yeah, like the JB's circle. Mm-hmm. Um, so this group, the size that's on the bill, it's uh, us, the size, and a dude named Dave Cope. But the size asked us to do the gig. We're like, yeah, man, we've been trying to get into this room. Like, this is great. Um, not knowing, you know, so by the time we get the ticket link and the assets and everything, we're at the top of the bill. I'm like. It's a big fucking room for us, man. Like you, you didn't lead that we were the headliner. <laughs> like if you're gonna ask somebody to headline the show, like give a brother the heads up. It, yeah, yeah, no, yeah, like, yeah. it's cool, man. The pre- uh-huh. Pre-sales are doing all right. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, like when that first happened, I was like, uh-oh, uh-huh. <laughs> that's a big room. But no, I'm super excited for that. That's a great sounding room. It's a great looking room. Yeah, yeah. I was there for. Um, Vilebred CD release party. Yeah. Back, Sammy Vile. Uh, and I've uh, seen Hezekiah Jones here yep. as well. You know uh, Hard Work Movement, the hip hop group from Philly? No. They're like a nine piece live band hip hop group. Mm. I saw them there. Mm-hmm. Nuts show. Mm-hmm. One of the, you know, one of the main guys climbs up to the second story, jumps off back onto the stage. Picks the mic right back up and keeps going. <laughs> he landed on his feet. Yeah. What? Yeah, he hopped the whole way down. Oh, yeah, shit. that was nuts. That was the craziest show that I've seen there. Uh huh. Um, you know, I've seen other like you know more indie stuff. Band uh, that we had on a show here, I know sells that place out. They're a tribute to mm-hmm. uh, Credence called Kensington Clearwater Revival. Jeff works on my guitars. Oh yeah, oh yep. yeah, I know he does that. That's yeah. cool. And they were amazing and man, their vocalist is just he's better than Fogarty, I tell you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> I mean CCR was like an early favorite for me, so they, they kinda of blew my mind. That was a great show. Um what made you get into music? How'd you get into it? Um, the first thing that I ever played, I did trumpet. I started trumpet in third grade. Um yeah, I tried sax back then. I couldn't make a noise through the reed. They're like, here's a violin. Yeah, I mean, I didn't, I didn't make very good noises through the trumpet either. Um, but after like a year or two, they needed somebody to play baritone horn, which I was a little more suited to. I don't know. I liked it. I was the only one, you know. Um, and then, I don't know, around that time, late elementary school, uh, early middle school, I got my first guitar, uh, an acoustic guitar. Um, I still have it. It needs a little bit of neck work. Um, it was Art and Luthery 
cherry wood acoustic, real bassy. Uh, it's a nice guitar. Uh, was it an artist that made you decide to play, or no? I was interested, so my dad wanted to play, so he got a guitar and started taking lessons. Um, and I was interested in it, so he got me one. I started, I took lessons for a little bit when I was younger, um, and I think it was kind of disheartening to him because, like, I was just like immediately blew past him. Oh man. <laughs> like, <laughs> Yeah, like not just hardening in a salty way, but he's like, he's like, I think that was like a real moment of like him being like, fuck man, I'm getting older and I don't pick up stuff as fast, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, that's, you know, it's just like if I was trying to pick up an instrument now, I wouldn't pick up saxophone as quick, you right. know? So what did he, he was defeated and gave up? <laughs> sort of, sort of. He kind of plucked around at it. Uh, he's retired now. He says he's going to gonna get back into it but yeah I kind of stuck with it um, any it, influences that you have? Neil Young for sure mm. that's my dad's favorite artist okay. um, Neil Young was an early influence um, that's kind of where I learned a lot of you know my cowboy chords and stuff like that um, I liked I liked Sublime a lot when I was younger not so much anymore but like that kind of like sublime, dispatch, like white boy reggae type thing. Uh -huh. And that's how I learned how to play bar chords. You know, I was learning tunes like that. Uh -huh. um, 311. I, I didn't know them. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh -huh. like I liked, you know, I liked the sublime stuff. Yeah. You know, because it was a little while before I got my first electric guitars. So stuff like sublime and dispatch, they had a lot of acoustic stuff. Mm -hmm. So, um, and then I was mostly self-taught. Um, that's why I got like I got a lot of bad habits in my playing. But like, <laughs> you know, there's things I could do more efficiently. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, that was the start of stuff, and ended up joining. I didn't play really with people until high school. Mm -hmm. You know. Um, so Neil Young, any, anyone else you can was this more songwriter then or than uh, than instrumental? Like yeah, for sure. Um, you know, back then, you know, I was real into like, you know, your kind of pop punk, your some forty one stuff, but that didn't have a lot of appeal to me. Playing wise, you know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. there's stuff that you listen to. You know, when I was younger, I was real into like Avenged Sevenfold, that kind of like metal. That's like a little on the poppy bent of it, but like, it, especially with the metal, I like listening to it. It didn't have a lot of appeal for me in playing. Mm -hmm. I think mostly because it was a lot of hard work. Right, you know it or you don't. I've always, yeah, I've always been more of a strummer than a picker. Uh huh. So like. You know, there's a real difference between trying to hit like then just strumming some cowboy chords. Right, sure. So, uh, yeah, that was a big part of it. And then in high school, my buddy Nick introduced me to Fish, and that was a big game changer for me. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah, I got into that, was my introduction to really like the whole world of live improvisational music hmm. you know before I you know had any real thought about jazz the dead was intimidating because the catalog was so huge 
Mm -hmm. You know, Fish had a smaller catalog. They had, you know, they'd only been a band for uh, what, I guess, twenty years by the time that I was aware of them. But as opposed to, you know, forty plus years for the Dead, mm -hmm. um, and yeah, it, it was just more manageable. You know, obviously, I ended up getting into the Dead, mm -hmm. but that was really by way of Fish through my buddy Nick. Both kinds of music. Fish and the Dead. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> uh, no, yeah, I, I, get, I get it, you know. Um, well, I don't get fish that much, but they're, they're right. <laughs> um, no, that's fair. Uh, but yeah, uh, Darlington, um, how did you form? Was that formed with Emily? Yeah, that was okay. formed with Emily. Um, we met through a mutual friend in... 2012, this is March of 2012, um, really hit it off, basically I started hanging out and haven't stopped since. Mm -hmm. um, We'd be making music together pretty early on. Yeah, yeah, and we started doing that. Uh, we met, I was going to school in Westchester, uh, at Westchester University, so like at that time there were a couple really good open mics that were going on there. They had one at Fenario's, which is just Fens now. Um, the best one was at this Thai place right around the corner from me, Jasmine Thai. Um, that place isn't around, hasn't been around forever. Thai restaurant that had music? Yeah, it had a bar, bar and music. It was, uh, you know, this dude, Josh. Um, Westchester? Yep. Okay. Yeah, it was right, uh, it was where Rex's used to be. Oh, okay. Down at, right at Wayne Street in the bottom of Gay Street, I think. I think I played one of the last shows ever at Rex's. Probably, yeah. 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 I um, used to go to Spence Cafe when uh, my friend Rob Perner would host the jams there. That's, he had, well, yeah, he had the, he had the jams, I think it was probably being called Social Lounge at the time. Right, yeah. Um, yeah, that's how I met a bunch of those guys there mm -hmm. as well. Um, in that weird shaped like you, right? <laughs> that was like the, the wards over here. Yeah, yeah. You have the bar where you come in, and it's long. The stage at the narrowest part, and then you have like a chilling area on the other side of the U, but nobody can get there because it's all fucking packed through the bar and the stage area. Yeah, but those long. open jams were amazing. I had some good times there. For like sure. I would, I would go there all the time because that was like right when I turned twenty-one uh -huh. that he had started hosting those okay. at uh, at the social lounge. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so you, I didn't know you knew him from back then. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. That's when I know when I know Rob from. But yeah, me and Emily started making music around that time. Um, Westchester's kind of cool, like in the sense yeah, it's a college town. Yeah. So, has a built-in scene. Yeah, we. Uh, I had two two houses that both had sick basements for throwing shows. So like, the I, I didn't really go out and party. We hosted all the time, and it was always music based. Mm. Like we weren't doing like the like the frat scene in in Westchester. No, I was jungle juice out yeah. of trash cans. No, I've done that. I've done that, and it, yeah, <laughs> yeah, don't have to do that anymore. Yeah, uh, I, I got my fill of <laughs> Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, you know, we were always hosting stuff. You know, we started out just the two of us. 
Um, the first person that we brought into the band was actually a mainline uh, chick named Harmony. Um, she played a harp, okay. a concert harp. So nice. it was you know two voice, acoustic guitar, and harp. Um, and the biggest vehicle that any of us had was a Mazda 3 hatchback. <laughs> so uh, Getting you, the harp around. you can fit a full-size concert harp in a 2005 Mazda 3 hatchback. You hear that, folks? <laughs> if you need to move one, you can do it. You gotta scooch the driver's seat all the way up, put all the back seats down, you know, you get the harp players riding dirty, you know, no seat, no seat belt, just back there with the harp, but we made it work. Uh -huh. um, she moved down to Newark, Delaware. I haven't yeah. seen much harp since, uh, other than that, uh, Koof Knotts. Yeah. Who is from uh, Lower Marion too, Brimmore, I think, right? Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know him through the Philly scene. I know that he was, he was from there. Yeah, he's from out here. Um, so uh, yeah, they do a cool, cool show. Yeah, yeah, and that's yeah, it's a really unique thing that they do. The harp was cool. Um, it's an impractical instrument to lug around, and it's yeah. even less practical when its owner doesn't own a car. I can see that. <laughs> it's like a drummer not owning a car. It's like, come on, dude, like you got to be responsible for getting your giant ass instrument around. Right. One well, thing if you're a horn player. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. Show up on the subway, take an Uber or whatever. But yeah, yeah, the harp, we're like, all right, this is the biggest car we got, but we'll do it. We got a roof rack. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, now, uh, and I, I've been noticing you going off in the kitchen lately, man. Tell me about that. Has that always been a passion? I've always, I have always liked cooking. Um, so I, I guess it was, it must have been two thousand, it would have been two thousand eight, uh, February two thousand eight. I stopped eating meat, um, and like you know, my family was supportive of it. That's cool. But my mom was like, you're going to have to, like, take over your own shit a little bit more because, like, I don't know anything about that. Like, my mom's a great cook, but she's not, like, an adventurous, you know, it's a very much like a suburban white lady palette, you know. Meat potatoes, chicken and potatoes. Yeah, yeah, stuff like that, you know, like, you know, she's got her dishes and she's good at what she does, but, like, you know, there's a lot of stuff that she's just like, I mean, sure, do your thing, but, like... I don't know, you know. I, I don't know along this journey. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's like, I don't know how to just, you know, I don't know how to just make your meal out of vegetables. Um, so yeah, you know, I've been, you know, that's almost half my life at this point. I just turned thirty-one. Um, I would have been sixteen then. So um, was it something specific? Factory farming? I mean, yeah, I, I, yeah. I, that's an issue for me. I, I do eat meat, but. I try and stay away from, you know, anything too generic, factory farm, antibiotic and free and things like that. Yeah. yeah. It was really, it's really mostly a resource based thing, you know, mm -hmm. like the, the treatment of animals definitely does factor into it. Mm -hmm. Um, but it just, the energy and resources it takes to go from seed to table mm -hmm. versus womb to table is just, you know, hundreds of times, you know, it's just, it's a lot easier on our at this point dwindling resources um even you know things as simple as water you know mm -hmm. it takes so much less water to go from seed to table mm -hmm. than to have to water an animal the whole way 
Um, so that's really, you know, really mostly what it was. Sustainability. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. And I drive a big ass van, so it's like, you know, kind of my trade off. <laughs> well, how about it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Gotta um, convert that thing to fryer grease, man. Yeah, right. Yeah, that'd be cool. You need a diesel, I think. To yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, I, I know what you mean. Um, yeah, it's, uh, if Americans could just eat a little less meat. Yeah, I mean, really, that would be like a big thing, you know, like the idea of like meatless Mondays. Yeah. Like, if you, you know, you take one day and you're saying, yeah. all right, you know, we're going to go, you know, plant-based for it. And you don't, like, you right. don't have to go you for eat like... huge portions. It's, I think yeah. it's unprecedented. Yeah. You know, that we, you know, yeah. I, I mean, I'm pretty sure it is. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so, and it, and it looks like you have some influences, like, you know, different ethnic foods in your cooking. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, there is a way bigger Southeast Asian vegetarian culture than here. You know, you look at, you know, especially the Buddhist countries, the Hindi countries, India, Thailand, uh, you know, they have a much stronger vegetarian tradition. So it's mm. easy to look at those places and see how they treat vegetables as a main than you know Europe or most of North America, where your main is usually an animal protein. Right. They've already kind of figured out the creative. Aspect. Yeah, exactly. They know how to make it taste good. Right. And you know how to use it better. But I, you're plating actually. I mean, I, I you know, I've worked I in only, restaurants. You got skills, man. I only just started getting into this. I've always been happy with the, you know, with what I cook. Uh-huh. But I've always just kind of slopped it on a plate. Right. Um, and it was only within the past, I don't know, like six months, I've started actually like look at stuff like, okay, like what can I do to plate better and kind of elevated like I've I've worked in kitchens too I have no desire to fucking ever work in the back <laughs> yeah. of the house ever again it's like a sport but I hear you no, yeah, dude, yeah it's right. like a sport but yeah and like I'm <laughs> you know I'm not a sports guy <laughs> yeah right right no, that makes sense like I get the hustle of it um but I think you know working back of house and being a musician are not compatible because you have to be working both at the same time. Sure. Like nights and weekends. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Nights and weekends, that's the time. Yeah. And like I was like, well, I'm not I'm not working in the kitchen nights and weekends. I'm playing, you know. Yeah, I mean, for what I've seen you, you know, and, and to reach the top of that field, you have to really be passionate about it. No, for sure. I'm not and like working in kitchens it will kill your passion if you have to do it as like a job especially if it's not like an elevated way I don't know I have no desire to be back in that industry if I'm gonna like make shit money for a lot of work I'll like I'll stay doing music you know <laughs> right, or you said we're, like you're doing a lot of handyman kind of contract yes work. yeah I do general contract work like, yeah, you also do kind of specialty woodwork I saw the cutting mm-hmm. boards around the holidays you're like a renaissance yeah the woodworking stuff that that's fun. I like doing that stuff. Um, you know, it is a creative outlet. Um, but I, I don't do as much precision woodworking. Like, I'm not that detail-oriented. It goes back to what I was saying. Like, I don't want to be in that technical metal band, even though I like listening to it. Right. Because it's like, 
it's so much work to get those fine points down, you know, fine trim work and cabinetry and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. You really got to have everything just, just exactly perfect. Mm -hmm. um, and I mean, wood's fickle, you know, it's so easy to, you know, you do everything right, but your blade's a little bit dull, you chip out a piece and you know, what you've been working on is ruined. Right. So. But all that stuff, you know, guitar building could be pretty cool. To get yeah, I've thought about that too, but then I think about, uh, you know, I think about cutting where your frets go. It can't be off even a little bit. Right. You know, the... It kind of gives you anxiety. Yeah, it, it does. <laughs> right, yeah, right, right. like, you know, right. how you got to slot out your neck, you know, slot out the neck joint for the neck. Right. Got to line up not only dead center for where you want it, but it has to hit at the perfect angle so your strings are going to continue to be dead center. Right. Um, like, I had a body built by this guy and then a neck built separately and they didn't fit just exactly right. Um, and I uh, dropped it off. You know, Pete Brown or uh, Loudo Guitars? I know via Facebook, I know, you know, by his company. And yeah. Building, yeah. Yeah, I just dropped it off there. I was like, man, the slot just needs to be like two millimeters wider, but like, I need you to make it equal on both sides like right, right. I was like man he has that precision yeah down, yeah right? and he's also got the tools for it I was uh I had a membership at it's called next fab it's like a maker's space uh they have a, two locations in Philadelphia and one in Wilmington Delaware uh, but you know they have all the tools and everything there you play like a monthly fee they got like like you know, the big dick tools that you wouldn't buy unless you were doing this right. full time and you had a shop for it. I think there's a spot in Roxborough. It's like a wood. Yeah, yeah, similar thing like that. Where, like, yeah, man, like you, you aren't going to buy the $10,000 giant drum sander, but when they got people, you know, throwing in for it, it makes sense. Yeah. Um, but, like, even that, like, I don't know, all that precision work. It's hard. I'm not detail oriented like that's why, you know, that's why more or less I make country music. No, <laughs> you know. Well, speaking of that, it's a perfect segue. Uh, we're gonna have you play a couple songs. All right, man. This sounds good. So I think what I'll start out with. Um, this was a single that we put out mid to early last year um, so I wrote this when I was living back in Westchester I wrote the music for it wrote the melody for it um, but the lyrics actually come from an Allen Ginsberg poem um, you know I was having like some writer's block and I had this little book of Ginsberg poems you know, I was, you know, thumbing through, and he put a lot of his stuff to music. Um, I don't think he put this one to music. Um, but, you know, I was, you know, this one was lyrical and it made sense. I saw what I could do with it. Um, so, you know, I wasn't ever thinking about 
you know, one day that I would put it out, I was just like, I, you know, I like these words, I'm gonna make it a song. And then, you know, years later, we come to the point where we have to, you know, where we're gonna put it out. I'm like, this is, this is you know, a good single. So I had to get in touch with the estate of Allen Ginsberg and think, you know, not just like license it, but you know, they had to hear it and give their approval, basically give their blessing for it. Um, so that was cool that, you know, whoever the family members are that control the estate heard the song and were like, yeah, man, like we dig this, you know, this is worthwhile for us to allow you to use. So, you know, he gets, you know, 50% of the songwriters credits. I mean, I don't make any money from streaming. I've had stuff up since 2015. I got my first $25 check. You don't have to tell me. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, anyway, this one's called In the Back of the Reel. In the back of the Reel Railroad, yard in San Jose. I want a desolate in front of a tank factory, and I sat on a bench near the old switchman shack, and I sat on a bench near. Which man shall A flower lay On the hay On the asphalt highway The dread hay A flower I thought It had a brittle black stem And corolla of yellowish dirty spikes Like Jesus is in
Especially at the start of COVID, you know, he, he took it really seriously, so he didn't have a lot of people in there. Mm-hmm. Um, which, you know, you need people in the fucking music studio if you're gonna make money. So, you know, his cash flow was a little short at the time, and I was like, yeah, man, like, I'll, I'll go hour for hour. Like, I'll give you an hour of my labor, you give me an hour in the studio. So, you know, I still got, you know, maybe 20 hours banked. I got three songs that we wanna do to finish <laughs> off the record, and, uh, you know, just gotta get back in there and do it. You guys yeah. back at Delfest or you're not sure? Um, I don't know if we're going back this year. So, man, we had, last year was incredible for us. Um, so we linked up, again, pre-pandemic with, uh, you know, Charm City Bluegrass. I know of them. Yeah, yeah. From the Baltimore scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, they had, you know, this kind of contest going on, like a Battle of the Bands thing that we started pre-pandemic, got through their first round. We were supposed to do the finals uh, at the 8x10 mm-hmm. down in Baltimore. Um, and, you know, obviously that all got messed up with pandemic stuff. Um, you know, kind of a year went by. Ultimately, they put us and the other three bands that made it through the whole thing mm-hmm. on... Ended up being, you know, four people made it through, including us, but by the time you know, a year and a half later, we were able to do it again. You know, one of the bands didn't exist anymore, so there's three of us, uh, and we all played at their uh, their fall festival, um, and we won that. And you know, part of the prize from that was, um, you know, we got like 500 bucks cash. That's cool, um, but that's what got us our booking at 
Charm City, you know, Main Spring Festival, at Dell Fest, and at uh, Gray Fox Bluegrass oh, Festival. Yeah, yeah, so that was huge for us. Um, yeah, so like that's been great. That's opened a lot of doors for us. Um, and it was just really great. Those are great places to play. Man, like, you know, once you start actually working, you know, we've played a million of them small little regional festivals. Mm -hmm. But like, it's nice to play these big <laughs> professional festivals sure. where they really take care of you, you know? Mm -hmm. um, Bluegrass festivals are fun too. Like I remember there was one I saw Mason Porter at a few years mm -hmm. ago. It might be 10 years now, but. Yeah, right. <laughs> And what was cool was the music was great, but after the music on the stages ended, the music through the campground totally. was incredible. Totally. It was like Folk Fest. Yeah, yeah. Fun, you know? Yeah, I played um, Folk Fest for the first time last year. That was with uh, Maggie May. I played guitar in her band. Okay. Um, I've been trying to get, man, like, talk about breaking into a freaking circle, like with, you know, Johnny Brenda's. You gotta really get into the Philly Folk Fest. Yeah. Inner circle. You uh -huh. know, yeah, they, right. They right. love their people, and I'm just like, <laughs> like, yeah, man, like. Maybe there's some people listening to Jack here tonight. Get them up. Give me a holler. We can main move, stage. We can move some tickets, you know? Yeah, the next generation. Yeah. Uh, that place, yeah, I mean, that place is tough, but that place is such a history. Yeah. You know? But, but I agree. I mean, there are circles that are clicky and, you know, politics. Yeah. And yeah, I'm not here to talk shit. No. I'm, not, I'm not here to talk shit. <laughs> <laughs> not complaining. I'm just saying, you know. Do you have another song for us? or? Yeah, I could do another song. What do we want to do here? You want to do another? So, we can go two ways of it. Um, you can do another original tune. Emily sings a lot of our original tunes, my oh. partner in crime here. Yeah. Um, I got another one kind of in that bent. We also, when we do covers, we like to like change them up. Like, you yeah. know, we were talking, you know, off mic before, you know, we do our kind of like train beat version of, of Shakedown Street. Mm -hmm. um, and that's fun because, you know, it's just a different way to do it. But also there's tunes that I love that I feel like until you start playing like significantly bigger stages, people don't want to hear you play like slow and sad usually. Right. You know, you know, I, we don't, <laughs> we're not so much a jam band, but like that's my contacts, that's my people. So like we do a lot of stuff in that thing, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but like, um, you know, we do a cover of Sam Stone by John Prine, mm -hmm. and like that's a beautiful, haunting song. But it's like it's slow, and you know, if you're like you're playing a bar gig, people want to fucking hear it. You know, man, I had some of those hangups too. Yeah. Not, not necessarily tempo, but like a lot of songs I write kind of touch on issues in the world socially you know like uh, you know what we, what we do with no rivers to yeah um, yeah all of our money can only cause income and i'm like you know that's kind of cool but you know people people just yeah. want to party and dance yeah so i've been <laughs> but, trying to take like yeah i've been trying to take tunes, substance too, yeah, yeah i've been trying to take tunes like that sam stone we do like up tempo version uh -huh. um i have we've been doing an up tempo version of ripple by by the dead. Uh -huh. um, so yeah, I, don't know, I can do an original one, or I can do one of these up tempo 
it, it's up to you, man. You know, we're at, we're at right about 8 o'clock now, so right. if we go a few minutes over, or, or should we just wrap up? Uh, I'll end here with this, this original one here. This is off of the first EP that we had put out. I think we're going to re-record it. Just because I want it on the record, you know. The best compliment that I think anyone's ever given me. Uh, my friend Testa was like, shit man, that's your song? I thought that was like, I thought that was an old tune that you guys were just doing. Uh, like, and that really stuck with me. Like a cold cup of coffee Like a lover's embrace From the night before And they both go down with whiskey So I guess this is an old crow kind of war And a can of PBR. Maybe this time when I open, there'll be something that I didn't see before. It's an old crow kind of morning After an old crow kind of night Cheers to an old crow kind of funeral
step up for that so yeah yeah appreciate we'll it. Again. that'd be great man yeah uh, yeah sure jack i'll see you around thank you johnny brenda's january 19th coming this up. thursday yeah. this thursday go see darlington first time in that room hell yeah uh, Thanks, brother. and thank you guys for joining us we're going a little bit over time uh, i think i said everything i need to say and i'll let you know about the next guest and i'll see you next monday at seven mainline beyond with mark singer Cool, man. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks again for tuning in to episode two of the Main Line of Beyond with Mark Singer. 
As always, we'll be here every Monday from 7 to 8 for the live stream via Facebook and some other outlets. And then the audio will be posted sometime between 24 and 48 hours later. Really hope you enjoy the show and we will see you next time. Thank you.